Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's do this. Sports betting season is in full force with the NFL officially back, which means you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS have been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. And they have loads of bonuses. Join now at BetUS.com today and receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using bonus code CHICAGO125. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. BetUS has all your NFL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and odds. In addition to the NFL, you can bet on college football, college football games, PGA golf, UFC matches, and more. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy to use with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS.com with our code CHICAGO125. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Week 4 Chicago Bears postgame show as our Bears took down the Detroit Lions by the final score of 24-14 to 14 here at Soldier Field, and I'm excited to be back for a postgame show. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, my first time doing a postgame recap since Week 1, my first Bears victory of the season. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. We're here at Soldier Field, and this is our third post-game show from Soldier Field, and I think it's our third different video microphone setup, so bear with us as we continue to work out some of the kinks as we want to balance giving our live viewers a great experience as well as those listening to the podcast at home. But guys, before we kind of get into the first quarter of our show, Nick, compared to last week, what's like your one word, one sentence summary compared to last week to this week in terms of how the game went? Offense. There there was offense in this game, and it was nice to see, especially because of all the problems you saw the Bears had on the road in Cleveland. You saw you saw them correct a lot of those mistakes, uh, and we'll definitely get into the nitty gritty of what they were able to do. But there was actually offense in this game, Will. So that was the biggest difference. Yeah, it was. I think the first quarter they statistically outperformed the entire performance that they did against the Cleveland Browns, uh, which is sad yet. I guess exciting for today's venture, uh, nevertheless. But how about you, Mason? Fun. 
That's one of the <laughs> biggest things. I actually enjoyed watching a Bears game, and that's not just true for last week, but I would even say going back to the previous year. I mean, I was, for me at least, this was probably the most fun I've had watching a Bears game since the 2018 games. And that's partially because of what Nick was saying in terms of the offense actually being relevant. You had the defense being the defense, which we'll get into in a little bit in terms of some of the ups and downs they had. But, you know, there was a little bit of that swagger back, and, you know, there's a big infusion of that energy in this game. Yeah, there really was, and fun is an excellent word. I saw you and Nick are getting kind of smart about switching who sits next to me because I have a tendency just to pound on the arm of my (laughs) co-host whenever a good play is about to happen or is happening. But I want to use this as a excellent segue to get into the first quarter of the show and begin our opening drive which all starts with my monster moment of the game and there were a lot of different plays that I could have used uh, in this one which I love a game that gives me multiple opportunities to highlight a play but I'm gonna go with the play that didn't end at any points Uh, but it was Justin Fields 27 yard pass to Allen Robinson late in the third quarter Uh, that set up the Cairo Santos field goal and that is, happened right after Detroit. They got their first points of the day, turned it into a two-score game right before the fourth quarter. But that big throw by Justin Fields along the sideline, that dime that he was able to drop to A-Rob, set the Bears up to extend their lead yet again and made it a three-score game right before, again, that fourth quarter. And if you rewatch that play or maybe you saw it live, Justin did check into that play right before they snapped the ball. So I'm curious to see... Uh, what he says about what he saw pre-snap, what he saw post-snap. But regardless of what Justin has to say, I was proud to see just another step forward for this kid, Justin Fields, making a good audible at the line of scrimmage and setting up a big play to help his team extend the lead. So to me, that was my monster moment of the game. So, Nick, I'll hand it over to you for your opening statement. Yeah, you guys can't see this, but the internet here on my uh, tablet's not working. But I know exactly where we're going to go with this with this opening statement. It's the explosive plays, you guys. I've been asking for explosive plays since week one, and the Bears, up until this point, prior to this game, had one explosive passing play. Today they had five of them, and it started on the very first drive of the game. You had the Mooney reception for 21 yards. Second drive of the game, you had a Mooney reception for 64 yards. Out of halftime, Robinson has a 28-yard reception. Mooney, again, 32-yard reception. Then you also have Damian Williams getting a big run. David Montgomery as well. So you had seven total explosive plays, five in the passing game, two on the the ground, and obviously that was much needed because this was a Lions defense last in the league in terms of allowing the most explosive plays through the air. The Bears capitalized and got five of them, so that's where I had to go with this this moment or whatever. Again, still looking for a segment name, but had to talk about the explosive plays there. Nope, Nick's opening statement is... Right now, it's kind of like the Washington football team of of segments here on the show. But I'm glad you highlighted that because that was coming up in my notes when we get to the second quarter of the show. Uh, The Lions defense uh, came in the league dead last uh, yards allowed per completion and PFF's worst graded coverage unit in the entire NFL. And I was worried, like, hey, if the Bears don't take advantage of that defense, we have some serious issues on the offensive side of the ball. But luckily, we saw today the Bears can take advantage of some of those lower-tier defenses, which may not be saying much, but after last week, I will take this moral victory when I can get it. Mason, I want to hand it over to you. What's uh, your stat of the game? And there's only one right answer this week. <laughs> you know, I was gonna. there was a couple of different ones floating in my mind, but really the one you have to go with is the fact that the Bears held the Lions to being one for five in the red zone, 20%. You know, that's pretty astounding when you think about it. And every time, at least as a Bears fan, even with the defense we've had in the past, a team gets down in the red zone like they're like, all right, 
let's settle for three, let's get out of here. You know, in a game like this, the fact that that didn't happen was huge. You know, imagine if they were able to get three points on all those drives. It could have been a very different game. Yes, some of it was the Lions being the Lions, but some of it was also some of the dominance that the Bears were able to show, and sometimes it's about being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, exactly. And if you think about it as well, even if they score field goals on those four additional trips, it's a whole different ball game right now. So for the Bears on defense being able to not just force the Lions to settle for field goal attempts, they were getting the Lions off the field. And we'll talk about how some of this complimentary football kind of came to be uh, in all three phases here today as we go throughout the show. But guys, that wraps up our first quarter And let's jump in right away to our second quarter of the show. Let's talk about this Bears offense. And as I said here at the top, they're a team that today got more yards than they had the entire game in just the first quarter. Same thing with first downs. They had more first downs in the first quarter than they had all of last week in Cleveland. Mason, I actually want to hand it right back over to you first. What's just like a bigger general takeaway outside of, hey, the Bears are able to score points uh, but what was something you saw from the offense that you wanted to highlight just in some general terms? I thought in general they let fields be fields for the most part. You know, you saw that combination of a heavy lean on the run game, which allowed the play action to work, which allowed those rollouts to work, and it allowed Justin to attack downfield. There were multiple times where I was almost blown away to a dull take where it's like, wait, the Bears had a 30-yard play? It was almost astounding. And you almost you pinch yourself because you don't believe it really is to be true. And you saw how accurate Justin can be and where that ball placement is. It's, it's really amazing. And the fact that we saw that was pretty great. Darnell Mooney seems to really be a go-to for Justin, whether that's just because he's got more speed and can create a little bit more space. You know, Robinson does tend to work a little bit more underneath at times. Didn't see a lot of tight end usage, which we can talk about a little bit, but I would love to see a little bit more of that. And again... Heavy, heavy lean on that run game, which is imperative for a team that can't necessarily protect and keep the pocket as clean as you want it to be. Yeah, and speaking of heavy, Nick, early on in this game, and honestly throughout the vast majority, the Bears used a lot of heavier sets, some heavier formations, whether it be using three tight ends. Uh, Alex Barnes coming in as an eligible receiver multiple times uh, throughout this game. I like the use of those heavier personnel sets here today. Something I think they can utilize moving forward. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think what you saw is the Bears were true to themselves and seeing what is the best way they can actually move the ball. In the very first play of the game, they had three tight ends out there. David Montgomery gets a nine-yard run, and even on that first drive, they had nine runs to a three-pass ratio. And right now, Justin Fields is still learning. He's still learning this offense. He looked a lot more smooth operating it, but I think it's because you were able to lean on that run game Actually, if you're not going to get your tight ends involved in the passing attack, you better use the guys that you can count on to at least create those running lanes for David Montgomery prior to his injury. So I think what the Bears did, and what you can also tell, and we'll definitely talk about this, they, they played to their strengths, and I think that's because of who was calling the plays. Because it was evident in this one, Matt Nagy on the sidelines, he wasn't looking down at his, his playbook. It was more so, hey, I'll look, you know, kind of assess what's actually going on in the game, those calls are coming from up top with Bill Lazor, and I think that really helped this offense to capitalize on the Lions defense that really isn't that good. Yeah, Bill Lazor definitely was out there calling the plays here today, and what I love, and maybe I love it more in retrospect than in the moment, but I also kind of like, I don't know, the onions that were displayed before the game even started, was that opening coin toss, and the Bears won, and they said, we want the ball. And for an offense that did not score a touchdown in 20 possessions – 
that's kind of bold. And, and I was like, oh boy, how's this going to turn out? And they marched 75 yards down the field, primarily leaning on Monty, leaning on Justin when they need to, but they were able to punch it in and kind of stop that drought. And I think it's a great way for an offense that has been struggling to find an identity, struggling to find success, to get out there and build some early confidence in this game that you can tell carried over from drive to drive, possession to possession, quarter to quarter, and half to half. So I thought that was a great way for the Bears to start it with the ball and run it right down the Lions' throats. And it all does kind of stem from that Bill Lazor style of play calling. The guys seem more energized, more comfortable, and at least compared to last week, just more, I guess, this energy uh, throughout between the whistle. Just a little brain dead there. Mason, I wanted to go over to you. I just can't process Bears' offense when it actually happens. It's, wait, what is that? But, Mason, what were your take so far on the Bears' Uh, play calling that you saw today. I know it's only one game. It was against this Lions defense, but I still think it's easy to be impressed by what we saw. Yeah, there just was a better flow to the game. A lot of the play calls made more sense. And, you know, definitely better use of formations, like Nick talked about, coming out right away with the three tight ends. And that carried on. You saw a lot more snaps from people like J.P. Holtz. I definitely saw, you know, Graham out there more than I feel like we saw in other games. You have the same thing for Jesse James. Now, they weren't necessarily used, but at least now your formations, again, they make sense. Um, There was one play in particular, nothing happened from it. It was that uh, touchdown attempt for Cole Komet down in the end zone. And, you know, they motioned Komet in. Motioned him out, used the CRI as man to man, what's going on here. And then it was a corner route. Now, he, you know, did he get held? He got tripped up a little bit. Who really knows? Hard to say. I personally think it was pass interference, but just to say. <laughs> but, it, but using him in that way just made more sense. It wasn't a lot of the stagnant, all right, we got four hitches across the screen. Like, why are we doing that? Uh, a lot of the routes when we were trying to get first downs. Amazing. They ran past the first down. <laughs> mm-hmm. It wasn't just right to it, and then hopefully you make a guy miss and trip backwards over into a first down. So, just again, the flow was just significantly better. At the end of the day, the again, the, I already said this, but the leaning on that run game, letting Justin run, I would have thought they would have had a little bit more quarterback runs in there, like designed mm-hmm. like you are running, Justin, versus the pure RPOs. Um, that kind of hurt a little bit of my parlay that I had going on, so I'm a little salty <laughs> about that. But otherwise, I'm okay. And what I think Laser did that maybe underrated was helping this Bears offense play ahead of the sticks a little bit here today. The first four first down, uh, third downs of the Bears face, it was and f- uh, five yards to go, four yards to go, eight yards, and then two. Uh, this is the Bears offense that, at least last week, and honestly for the majority of the season so far, you're seeing them consistently in third and long, but they're able to keep themselves in third and a manageable, and that did help them sustain some of these drives here today. On the flip side, though, Matt Nagy not calling plays. I thought that I saw him being a little bit more engaged on the sideline than I have in the past, whether it be when the offense is on the field or even the defense. There's times when the defense is on there, Nagy's running up and down the sidelines. And I felt like just the engagement level was at a higher degree, which should help this entire Bears team when their head coach can be uh, a little bit more aware of what's going on on the field than keeping his you know face and his nose directly in the play call sheet. Anything you wanted to take away on at least Matt Nagy handing it over and how that can better this team or what you saw out of that today? I think it's we've seen enough through Bill Lazor's play calling, you know, even from, from the last couple games he did last year until right now to where I think this is the best move for the Bears to actually have some kind of offense. Mm-hmm. Like, we've seen enough of Matt Nagy calling plays and just how that kind of goes for this Bears offense, how, how stagnant it can be the historical lows that they can, you know, achieve just like last week. But 
I think with Bill Lazor, he just has a better feel for the players that he has out there, what the strengths are actually on this Bears offense, and what they're capable of doing. Those deep shots, they weren't even being called. Right. You know, when, when Matt Nagy was there, um, just the few couple games this season. So I think as the Bears are kind of seeing, obviously they're going to look at the good and the bad from this game, but Bill Lazor just brings a little bit more to what this offense is capable of. And they're still improving, no doubt about it. But I just think that if you keep him there calling the plays from the booth, you're going to see more out of this Bears offense than you will with Matt Nagy. It's already been a couple of years now, and it's just too inconsistent, too stagnant, and just too many games that are just not, not un- honestly acceptable. And Bill Lazor was able to correct a lot of the mistakes they had last week and you know bring up 24 points here for this uh, win over the Lions. Yeah. For what it's worth... Matt Nagy said in his postgame presser that Bill did a great job calling plays. Uh, so just wanted to throw that out there as well. And what I think Laser does so well, it's a combination of two things. One, schematically, uh, he can get some of these guys open uh, on those deep shots. Uh, they weren't all like contested balls. Or it's like that first big shot to Mooney that was just that crossover in the middle of the field, wide open. And Justin's able to hit that. Mooney went up, made a great catch off of it. But also, Laser, I feel like he knows his personnel set. He knows what the strengths and weaknesses are of the guys he has on offense to kind of play with. And he's leaning on those strengths and kind of trying to you know, avoid those weaknesses a bit. So I think it's a two-headed combo that can really help this Bears offense not just succeed here today like we saw, but also carry that on here uh, throughout this stretch of games, which it's not easy. Uh, there's some tough defenses coming up here for this Bears offense as well. Mason, handing it over to you, you've talked about, you know, hey, we use the tight ends more as blockers than receivers, but eventually these tight ends do need to get involved in the passing game. Do you feel like the Bears missed out on any opportunities here today, or are you disappointed? This was a Lions defense that was allowing tight ends to at least get 52 yards per game receiving, and I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I do know it was like six at one point. Yeah, absolutely. It was It's pretty disappointing, uh, especially with what we saw at times last year with Jimmy Graham, uh, Cole Komet's resurgence last year, and then early this preseason when you, you know, had Jesse James with that you know walking in backwards touchdown that he had from, Je- from Justin Fields there. You just thought they would be more involved when you look at where, in theory, that this offense comes from, from that Andy Reid tree. Uh, you know, you've seen it at, in Philadelphia, you've seen it in Kansas City, how much the tight ends are used, Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey. I know Travis Kelsey is a beast on its own, right? I mean, he literally, it came out that he just runs routes wherever he wants to, as long as it doesn't interfere with the uh, the rest of the <laughs> routes that are going on. But at least trying to manufacture some more catches and just get people in the flow. I think you saw that with TJ Hawkinson a little bit today, where the Lions did what they could just to get the ball in his hands at times because they know he's a major part of their offense. You know, more tight end screens, you know, just having the routes be a little more complex than just what we've seen out of Cole Komet's routes where they seem to do, like, you know, hitches, little slants, things. That's just not really necessarily his game, right? Putting him in a position to succeed. And then in the red zone, where's Jimmy Graham? I mean, True. there's been multiple. I mean, they scored more often than not. You know, Dave Montgomery had the two rushing touchdowns. Damian Williams had another rushing touchdown as well. So it wasn't like they were going over or selling for field goals consistently. But at the same time, he's on the roster. You're paying him to be there. You, in theory, kept him for this reason. Where is, you know, that high ball up in the corner against some cornerbacks that really can't match up with the Jimmy Graham? Yeah, that's a really good point. So it's tight end is still going to be, I guess, 
uh, a bugaboo for the Bears. And they have to figure out exactly how to leverage this position. They have five on the team. I know four were active here today. Just for, uh, J.P. Holtz made a really good play in special teams, which I looked at you, Nick. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's, <laughs> that's why, why he's they, on the team. That's why they keep him around, <laughs> although he's not, he's out there in fullback a couple of times too. Uh, so he does have some value on offense too, as well. I want to make sure I mention that. Uh, Nick, I want to hand it over to you, and let's just talk about this Bears rushing attack in general here today. 188 yards on the ground. Uh, we'll talk about with Mason about David Montgomery's knee injury uh, that took here in this game late uh, in this game and get Mason's thoughts about what it could be, potential timetable and things of that nature. But I want to start at least with the positive, and that's the fact that the Bears were really able to, A, establish a run, and B, stick with it, and not just you know, grind it down the middle, but they were getting to the edges and they were able to extend some of these plays and get some bigger gains on the ground, as you mentioned earlier in your opening statement. Yeah, I think the Bears just did a really good job committing to that to that rushing attack. Like I said, the first drive is primarily running plays, and when you get David Montgomery going, it's a lot where even if there there isn't rushing lanes, people don't have necessarily blocked correctly, you see the fight and just the effort that he puts on every single play. I know on the one, it was his first touchdown, or maybe the second touchdown in the game, Well, we had a good vantage point. He gets hit at the five-yard line. Yep. He gets hit at the five-yard line, and then you see 32s in the end zone, just constantly moving his legs and obviously having his teammates to help him push him forward into the end zone. When, when you have guys that run like that, you just want to block a little bit more. You want yeah. to hold on to that block a little bit more just so you can give a guy like that a chance. And, you know, we'll definitely give it to Mason to talk about, you know, the injury. But that that definitely helps when you're trying to gain yards on a defense that, well, we talked about in the previous show, maybe the Lions defense was a little better at stopping the run. But today, the Bears were able to do what they wanted in terms of getting ahead of the chains. And that was a big thing for them. When I noted there weren't any, there was one offensive penalty all game for the Bears. And that didn't put it behind the sticks. We were able to commit to that run game, I think. And Bill Lazor with calling plays, he's not afraid to keep calling the run. So when you add all that up, I think that equates to a productive day, the 188 yards. And Mason said it. There was only really one. Justin Fields accounted for three rushing attempts for nine yards. So he wasn't a big factor in it, but the Bears were still able to have success on the ground. Yeah, they were. And this was a Lions defense that last week did a really good job of stopping the Ravens, including Lamar Jackson, on the ground. So I just want to give a testament to Bill Lazor, David Montgomery, the offensive line, for really sticking with it and showing that they can run this football. And as we all know, a rookie quarterback's best friend is a run game like we saw here today. And we'll talk about Justin Fields soon. But Mason, I want to hand it over to you. Uh, I know you were up in the box uh, when Montgomery went down. Uh, you whipped out the binoculars. Rather immediately, I might add, that was a pro move on your end, and you're seeing what they were testing down there on the field. You saw a replay of it online. What's your assessment of the David Montgomery injury as of right now? And I know we'll learn more as this week progresses, but I know what you told me as we were kind of setting up. Uh, It's not great. Yeah, it's a lot of speculation at this point because of what you can see. Again, it's very limited video. Uh, The actual injury itself was pretty gruesome looking when it happened, so they weren't showing a bunch of replays here in the stadium and as far as we can tell on tv same thing they weren't trying to show it um from what i was able to see it looks like it's going to be left mcl so medial uh, collateral ligament there could still potentially be acl you won't know until you get out there there is something called the unhappy triad which is mcl acl and meniscus but what you could see was they were doing you know your your lockman test your poster lockman test 
uh, your variant volume stress test, and they looked for the most part to be negative. So at least you're not looking at a complete tear of any of those four ligaments. However, you don't know the full structural damage until you do get back and get an MRI as that is the gold standard. Now, what does that look like if you're looking at a, with how much pain he was in? Yes, he was able to walk off. I'm not thinking it was a full tear, which would be surgery done for the year. Uh, if you're looking at a grade three, which is possible, but not as likely currently, I mean, you're still looking at probably eight weeks, something like that. But if you're more in that grade two to like a slight grade three, you're probably in that five to six week range. Three on the early, early end. Montgomery is insane. I mean, he was the one that, if you remember, in training camp, he had that groin strain, and I was like, oh, he's done for like two, three weeks. He was back. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's also a cyborg. I don't understand how he comes back from some of this stuff. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised, based on what we saw, if he ends up on IR that short term for at least three weeks. Safer bet would be that four to five in all reality. Not great news there for the Bears' offense. As we know, David Montgomery, in many ways, is the lifeblood, that motor oil that keeps the engine churning for Chicago. Luckily, I think Damian Williams is a capable backup. Uh, Khalil Herbert has not gotten a lot of reps on offense so far, but what he showed us in preseason gives me confidence that he can step in in a spellback situation. If they need to go in a more dual-back system in place of David Montgomery, I feel like you're going to need multiple guys to replace someone of Montgomery's stature here. Uh, but regardless, we'll wait to see how it all shakes out. You never want to see your, you know, any player go down, but let alone really the workhorse right now for this Bears offense, someone that they're really leaning on heavily uh, throughout the game. I know you said it too, Mason, like, oh, you know, he got his 20-plus carries, but that's also the risk uh, that you do kind of put out there when you do add up some of those touches. Uh, Nick, I'll hand it over to you. I know we've been focusing over on David Montgomery. But as we've been doing that, has there anything that kind of came to your attention or that you wanted to bring up for a talking point here? Well, I don't know if, um, and I don't know if we just didn't do this, but like with Justin Fields, I mean, what do you guys think of his day? He didn't, he didn't really, um, look, we didn't really, I think the main focus was like, who's calling plays to put Justin Fields in a position to, you know, go out there and execute. But stat line, 11 to 17, 209 yards, no passing touchdowns, an interception. He did hold on to the, the one ball and get uh, that fumble, but somehow was able to recover that ball. But, for the most part, he wasn't asked to do a lot in terms of the attempts, of, you know, for passing. But when he was called to execute some of those deeper passes, put it right on the money, and was able to just run this Bears offense. What'd you guys make of Justin Fields' second start as a starter? Way to take the easy talking point, but that, that's uh, that's quite all right, Nick. So for me, Justin Fields, I was excited about what I saw here today. His first start was brutal. Uh, we all know that, and what I saw here today was growth. Was it 100% perfect? No, I wasn't expecting perfection. Uh, However, I did see a a lot of growth in his uh, ability to remain patient in the pocket. I mean, this dude got sacked nine times last week. I would have been a rabbit back (laughs) there in the pocket running around. He would have been seeing ghosts. Like any other quarterback out there, after the beating he took a week ago, I would not have blamed for seeing ghosts this week behind that offensive line. But he didn't. He hung in there made some big throws when they were called him to do so. And even when he checked into it, as I talked about in my Monster Moments, I was very pleased about what I saw from Justin Fields today. His deep ball accuracy was tremendous. It's what we saw in training camp. It's what we saw in preseason. And, Nick, you hit it. All those explosive plays. He hit on a 21-yarder, 64-yarder, 28, 32, and 27 all through the air. And this is an offense that's been lacking in explosive plays. And with his arm, his ability to remain patient in the pocket, we saw those come to fruition here today. So I was pleased. I was glad to see the growth. And I'm excited to see what he can do. You hit on those mistakes. 
you know, whether it be the interception, I know that's tipped at the line of scrimmage, but those are also things you have to look mm-hmm. out for as a quarterback. And he does need to work on protecting that football a little bit better in the pocket too when he's trying to avoid some of that pressure. He is leaving it slightly exposed, and that's why we're seeing some of these fumbles. But, heck, he is a pro at recovering his own fumble. <laughs> but to me, too, that's also a very risky situation uh, for a quarterback to really mm-hmm. have to fight for those. So you, we want to limit those opportunities as much as possible. How about you, Mason? You guys hit on a lot of the high notes, so I'm going to have to be the Debbie Downer and hit on some of the low part for me. I want to see him throw a touchdown. Yeah. Like you, there's there's just a couple of quarterbacks in history, and there's like you know receiver. There's multiple positions where they're just they don't get in the end zone, and you're kind of waiting like when is that going to happen? When are you get that monkey off your back? Until that happens, there's just this kind of lingering thing out there. It's still is Justin ready or is this just a run heavy he just happens to get the ball out kind of an offense like he we want to win because of him not just with him kind of a thing so I just I want to see him get that touchdown just give me that one and then you know break that streak of not having any you know if commit then it slip slash get held that looked like a good ball I thought he would have had one uh, there as well uh, but I agree with you Mason I think we all want to see Justin score uh, although I was proud of this offense we were able to run it in as well as many times as they did here uh, today. How about you, Mason? Any other talking points on offense? I think for the most part, we hit what we needed to on offense. I am I am also still curious what will ultimately happen with Allen Robinson as things continue. He's definitely seen, not necessarily an afterthought, but definitely not an option number one, because that's Montgomery. Not option number two, because that's Darnell Mooney. Is he option number even three? I mean, well, I, I haven't looked at his targets this game, comparing him to like, like Marquis Goodwin or anything like that. It's where does he fall in that? Does that affect his potential long-term time here as a Bear? And is is that still wide receiver one territory? I know many people have argued because wide receiver ones make the biggest plays at the biggest times, and there's been times when he hasn't. He's dropped a jump ball in the end zone that he was supposed to, things of that nature. So that's a storyline I think that's going to be really interesting moving forward. Yeah, he had three targets today, caught all three of those balls, 63 total yards. Uh, but that was second on the team. Uh, we didn't get a lot of the targets here. Darnell Mooney at one point had every Justin Fields uh, mm-hmm. throw, so it really caught his attention. Uh, but he was open. Uh, he was able to make most of those opportunities as well. And I know Damian Williams pitched in as a receiver coming out of the backfield. I really like that little design, that swing pass to him. It's kind of like that ex- uh, screen play as well, getting him over to the perimeter, make a guy miss and get up field. Uh, but, Nick, I think you put your uh, finger up when I said any other talking points, so I just, feel like you got one. Just one. Um, it was a Justin Fields play that I think was maybe more – obviously the throws are great, but it was just a third and four play on the very first um, drive that they had where he gets the first down with his legs. It's like what he did, though, he didn't immediately run to the right side of the field and turn the corner and get the first down. He surveyed the field, saw nobody was open, and then he's like, well – I have 4-4 speed. Let me use it, get to the right side, and get that first down. Obviously, that's not something that Andy Dolan can do or you know previous quarterbacks can do. It's just something that Justin Fields has. But what I like the most about it is that he gave his receivers enough time to get open, good coverage by the Lions, and then he takes it himself to get the first down. The Bears get a touchdown the next play with David Montgomery. So it's like those types of plays you talk about growth, Will. Like that's what it's going to take. It's, he needs to see what's out there make the correct play, make the right decision to take it when he needs to, and go get that first down. So we did see growth from Justin Fields, and I think just how his mentality is, you'll continue to see growth because that's just who he is. And if he keeps getting these opportunities to start, 
you know, we'll see what ends up happening with Bill Lazor as a play caller. Fields kind of turning it up a little bit. It'll be an interesting conversation for down the road. Yeah, we talked about growth from last week to this week. I thought we did see growth in this game, too. Mm -hmm. That interception that we're talking about came right before the half. And then the very first drive that the Bears had on offense in the third quarter, that's when you see him hit Mooney and immediately followed up with a deep shot to Allen Robinson. Uh, So he was able to take that bad play and turn it into a positive, and the Bears ended up scoring a touchdown with Damian Williams at the end of that drive. So it was yet another, I guess, display of Fields' ability to grow within a single game. And the only other thing I want to mention, and you'll never see it on the box score when it comes to Justin Fields today, and I don't know about the TV broadcast, so that may be hard to see as well, but near the end of the game when they're relying heavily on the run, Fields would hand it off, and instead of just hanging out in the backfield and watching the play happen, he'd run up right behind a Damian Williams, and as soon as he was tackled, be the first one there with a handout, like, I got you, let's go, let's keep this train rolling. So another just leadership aspect of Justin Fields that really impresses me, and I'm sure if I'm noticing it, uh, the other 52 guys on the sideline are as well. Any final thoughts from you two on offense before we move over to defense? Offensive line looked better, I'll say that. That's I mean, that was a huge thing last week, but only gave up the one sack. It was for 24 yards, but it was one sack. It was that whole fumble situation, but the offensive line in general looked better. Like I said, one penalty was a false start on James Daniels, but that is, that's also gross. And that was a, you know, aspect of this offense that needed to improve moving forward. And it did against a Lions pass rush that, you know, hasn't really gotten home this season, but they took advantage of that. Mason? Name a Lions D, D lineman. <laughs> Ooh, that's, uh, Nick Williams. There you go. Oh, there you go. But that's also just because we know who Nick Williams is. <laughs> I agree, yes, it was better, but it's also because you're not going against Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. Not every team from here on out is going to have the line, the D-line. So let's take this one. We're the line secondary. So we're going to have to see how this offense really does moving forward. Right, and the Lions' Romeo Aquara, their edge guy, did Got go out real mm-hmm. early in this game and had to exit. So it did help the Bears. I'm still going to say, take it as a positive that they were able to over, uh, take advantage of some of those matchups as well as some of those opportunities due to the injury as well. Even though it's the Lions, I'll take it. They, the Lions have hung into every single game that they played they this have. year, and this is the one game that seemed a, a little bit more out of reach uh, c- uh, compared to when they played the Packers, compared to when they played the Ravens, as even the 49ers. So mm-hmm. I feel good about that fact that the Bears were a team that can extend that lead and keep this distance a, a bit compared to some of those other opponents that are seen as bigger competitors in the league right now. So that, to me, yet is another positive. But up next, we're going to enter the third quarter of our show and talk about this Chicago Bears defense who held the Lions in only 14 points, but they also had, what, six penalties on that side of the ball? Uh, so we need to break it all down, good, bad, and ugly. But before we do, it's officially halftime, which means I need to tell you a message from our friends over at Manscaped. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with our code. Fan sided 20. 
Now, are you ready for an out-of-world experience, fellas? Look no further than this performance package 4.0 that is just taken off not just here in the USA, but in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. And don't forget to use the Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, and their Crop Reviver to help your little planets be on their A-game with feeling the sun's heat. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts in their Performance Package 4.0. That is the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed shed Travel Bag. So again, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 over at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at Manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. All right, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. We're here live from Soldier Field. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano and Mason Weston. Guys, by the way, I know our listeners right now watching can't see it, but I am enjoying our view, getting to watch the grounds crew at Soldier Field kind of do their magic here, and it's just an awesome view to do a podcast. We haven't been able to do many of these ever. This is my second time doing a podcast watching this field, so to me, it's just a special moment, and I like to live it in a little bit. But let's jump in and let's talk about this Bears defense. Nick, I'll go over to you. What are just some general takeaways to start things off? You know, I'll start with Sean Desai and how what he's been doing since that Bengals game in terms of putting his players in the right position to make plays. I think you saw that consistently through this one because there are times where Robert Quinn and Cleo Mack are on the same side. They're running a stunt. You pointed it out, Will, where DeAndre Houston Carson helped set up a Cleo Mack sack. So... Some of the things that we're seeing from Sean Desai defensively, I think is really playing dividends in how this Bears defense has been able to get to the quarterbacks as of late. They registered four sacks a day, and it seemed like Robert Quinn is a completely different player. Completely different, yep. much needed, and building off his performance from last week against the Browns, he was able to apply you know, good pressure today against Jared Goff. So I'm really liking what Sean Desai is able to do in terms of getting players in positions to be successful because that's what he talked about and now he's really backing that up with the calls that he's having and how he's just scheming things up no he really is uh the uh using deandre houston carson coming in like a dime package and lining up oh, near the line of scrimmage looking like he was in coverage and then he was showing a blitz and all he really did was do a little screenplay get in the get in the, get way, in the way of the you know the tackle trying to block quint uh mac and he was able to loop around and get that easy sack i mean that's cool. Like when I see Dan DeAndre Houston Carson in the game, I'm expecting him to drop in coverage. So that's a, a good way to break a tendency and set up your playmaker for an easier play and uh, able to work in the Bears' favor there as well. Uh, I wanted to highlight that the Bears' defense helped me because my bold prediction ended up coming true. Uh, my bold prediction uh, on our preview show was that this Bears' defense would have three turnovers. Uh, on the day, I'm counting the one on downs, just saying, because okay. that that helps me get this. And the Bears' <laughs> offense will score 14 points off of those turnovers. Uh, so I just want to make sure that I know we don't usually hit on those bold ones because they're out there, but we got one. Uh, so that's pretty tremendous. But Mason, I want to go over to you. What's some of your bigger takeaways on this Bears' defense before we kind of dive into some specifics? So in general, defense is doing that bend but don't break model this yep. game, which take that, you can take that either way. You know, obviously, you're, yes, you're able to hold the Lions to 14 points. You're able to hold them one for five right in the red zone. But against the better teams, is that model going to ultimately work for you? Today it did. And we saw some, you know, again, the resurgence of Quinn is a great story. Jalen Johnson is a top five corner. Duke Shelley, all of a sudden, playing really, really well, I would say, especially compared to what we thought was going to be happening <laughs> yeah. for the remainder of the season. 
Uh, you know, you got Gildo Gildor holding his own. I don't think Eddie Jackson missed a tackle today, so I think my bold prediction was good. I have to double-check on that. Let's go. But that run defense, that run defense um, needs to be discussed. It, it does. Real quick, did your bold prediction come true? No. <laughs> Well, Cole Komet Cole Komet with a uh, explosive receiving oh, reception that's, right. that's going to be my I, d- I knew it was an explosive but that was, was that your not so bold prediction uh, may, getting I, explosive plays like having an explosive pass maybe but we'll have to go back okay. and like, Cole Komet's I don't know if it's ever going to happen at this point but. No. two for two for two for three 66% yeah. hey it's better than the Lions were able to do in a red zone here today <laughs> <laughs> but alright getting to this defense let's talk about this run defense uh, and as we start this conversation I actually want to go to you first Mason because I think a big reason why the Bears were unable to stop the run here today was the fact that Akeem Hicks had to leave the game after the very first play on defense which the Bears were calling a groin injury and that had a huge ramification on this Bears front. Yeah, I know you got Eddie Goldman back, but it's like you get one guy, you lose another. I don't want to be rude, but I would rather have Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman out there. Personally, if I had to choose between one or the other. Um, but why do you think the Bears struggled against the run against the Lions? Who, they've been a fine running team, but it felt pretty easy for them for the most part today. Well, you have to look at the way that some teams are blocking their runs more. right? So you have an Eddie Goldman, he just stuffs the hole. Blogging you know, will take up two guys, maybe even three, depending on how the play works. Versus an Akeem Hicks that not only they have to double team him, but he aggressively attacks the hole. He doesn't just take up space; he takes up space and then goes and gets the ball. And when you miss lose someone like that, who you know, and the athleticism of Hicks is astounding. When you watch what he can do, the, you know how he can move off his base and still contort his body and make that you know tackle for a one two yard gain. That's huge. When you what you saw today was. Not everyone's Akeem Hicks, right? Yes, Bilal Nichols is able to do a decent job. Eddie Goldman is able to eat up those blocks. But they are they don't have that pure combination of both power, speed, athleticism that he does. So when you lose someone like that and you have just now a more traditional run game, uh, sorry, run defense, it's much harder. Your linebackers, they can't just flow and attack like they used to because, no, you're not going to maybe double team up Bilal Nichols. Now you have an extra lineman to go up to that second level. So now you can go ahead and take out an Noble Tree or a Roquan Smith or something of that nature. So Akeem Hicks is imperative. If he's going to miss time, that's going to be a, a big hurt. It, it really is. And you know when you look at what the Lions were able to accomplish, 90 yards on the ground on 25 attempts, that comes out to about 3.6 yards per rush. Nick, it felt like it was worse watching it than it actually looks on the box score. I think it was because the Lions kept on getting into Bears territory, right? So you guys talked about the red zone stats, but I think that's why it made it feel like it was worse. For me, it felt like the Lions, the middle of the field was kind of open, some of those receptions that they were getting, whether it was a TJ Hawkinson or, man, Raymond, uh, blanking on his first name though, but Khalif Raymond, he seemed like he was wide open. And there was there was a couple coverage busts down again with Deion Bush and, and um, I don't know who. He was talking to Eddie Jackson. But for me, I think the rushing attack, even though it was only about, like you said, 3.6 yards per carry, it's because the Lions, they were in Bears territory for a, a large majority uh, in that first half for the drives that they have, but they couldn't punch it in. So I think that when also Eddie Goldman, he wasn't playing the full full snaps. He's coming in and now you saw Tonga was in there. Right. You saw Angelo Blackman, uh, Blackson was in there. So I think they're they're trying to get acclimated to how they're going to do this on, on what was a pitch count, it seemed like, for Eddie Goldman. We'll have to see what the snap counts come out to, but, you know, depending on what Akeem Hicks does in terms of his health, because he left this game, 
And then when Eddie Goldman starts to get acclimated, Will, you had the first game. It's his first game in like some... 651 days. First game for Eddie Goldman in almost two years. So it's been a while. I'm going to say it's been a while. So I think we'll see. We're really going to see once this. Um, you, obviously, they have the Raiders next week who have a pretty good running back there in Josh Shape. So they're going to really be tested. But I think a big part of it, if they're able to stop the run moving forward or want to be successful, they need to have Hicks healthy. They need to have Goldman playing to you know a normal kind of game like he was prior to him opting out. And then I think we could see where this, this rush defense really will be. I want to turn it over to you, Mason. Both inside linebackers today had serious, busy afternoons here. Alec Ogletree led the entire team with 12 total tackles. Roquan Smith right behind him with 10. Uh, I feel like, Nick, you said it multiple times throughout the game. Like Every time you look up, there's Alec Ogletree. That dude is literally everywhere. And, Mason, you had a point that I wanted to at least give you the floor here in the podcast if you're open to it. And that's the fact that Ogletree, he may not be – allowing Danny Trevathan to come back here anytime soon. Danny Trevathan might be out of a job. <laughs> like, <laughs> like and it's crazy to think, you know, Al Ogletree, I mean, he was in uh, for the with the Bears for a tryout previously. They were like, all right, thanks for no thanks. We'll, we'll call you later. And right, we, we know the story that he just was here visiting Quinn to watch his sister in the Olympics. And one thing led to another. He gets on the field, kills it in training camp, slows down as you would, and then he has done nothing to make you think that he shouldn't be out there. Every time, every single week, he is making the tackles he needs to make. He's, there's always at least one or two plays where you say, oh, okay, all right, Ogletree, I see you. And we had reservations with Trevathan, right? Trevathan did get off to that slow start last year. And then when he did come back, we were, it wasn't amazing. It was just enough to be like, okay, Danny's getting there. We're okay yeah. with it. And then you have this, you know, preseason where he's out for a while. He tries to come back for one game. He has that great play, and then he's out again with a knee injury. Do you mess with a good thing? I don't personally. I don't know that you do, especially when the conversation going into next season was was always also going to be: Do you bring a Danny Trevathan back, and what does that contract look like, and things of that nature? Al Goldtree really might be playing Danny Trevathan out of a job. And, you know, I talked about all the tackles that he had, but I think my favorite play that Ogletree made here today was that end zone that I'm staring at right now is a fourth and goal and got through it to the back of the end zone, and Ogletree went up. Like, he used his vertical to get as high as he possibly could to get his fingertips on that ball, and that was just enough to make it sail away from that Lions receiver, and the Bears were able to turn that ball over on downs and give it back to Justin Fields and the offense. So Ogletree, you know, not just making plays against the run, not just being there, but he's also a guy who's making some big plays in some clutch situations and doing things that you don't see Danny Trevathan make that play. Mm-hmm. You don't see him have that athleticism to make a play in the ball like that. Uh, Danny can do a lot of things well, but that's not one of them. Nick, anything you wanted to add on this conversation? Seems like you're kind of pining to get in here. Well, it was, it was really early on in the game, and this, this literally means nothing, but... He Alec Ogletree was, uh, I think, the tight end was trying to block him. And similar to how Khalil Mack slammed Tristan Wirfs here at Soldier Field against the Buccaneers last season, Alec Ogletree did literally the exact same thing. He got him with the one hand and slammed him. I'm like, Alec Ogletree's out here slamming people. And then he goes on to get maybe, I think, 11 more tackles throughout the rest of the game. So he ended up playing phenomenal, but he has a good feel. He knows how to just, I think, scheme up the tackle too there was one down here nearing the Bears um, end zone and just lifts up the running back takes his feet from under him and drives him into the ground so 
Al Gogletree does everything you want to see out of a complimentary inside linebacker to Roquan Smith. So he's going to be there in position of, you know, bat down passes in the back in the end zone. He's going to make tackles. He's going to slam people on the ground. So Alec Ogletree, like Mason said, is playing, outplaying, uh, or just keeping the job from Danny Trevathan. So that, I think, is obviously a very good for the Bears defense. No, it really is. And Roquan, too, uh, I mentioned all the tackles, but there's one play that he had where he was lined up against Hawkinson across from him and over in the slot, and he gets Hawkinson right into the dirt, and then, well, I have no one else to cover. Sees DeAndre Swift coming out of the backfield. You know what? I'll take him as well. I don't think that was the play design, but he's able to get an extra body over there, force Scuff to throw that ball a little higher than he wanted, sails out of bounds, and another way to stop that drive. So those inside linebacking tandem, as Mason, you said it, if it ain't broke, you may not want to try to fix that one. Uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. But right now, I would li- love to see Ogletree out there on the field as much as possible. And in this particular instance, over a Danny Trevathan. Talked a lot about this Bears run defense. Uh, I know Jared Goff entered this game not really pushing the ball downfield too much. I thought he took a little bit more chances downfield than I expected he would. Uh, but how do you think the Bears kind of held up? Obviously, overall, pretty well. But anything you wanted to highlight? Yeah, I was also, first of all, surprised at how fleet of foot golf can be. Um, there, were, <laughs> there were a couple of times where I thought he was dead to rights in terms of a sack, and he was able to get away. Uh, one in particular really stood out where I think he made three bears. D lineman stepped up, zipped a pass to convert a pretty third and long, keep that drive alive. Um, and that was, I believe, one that led to a touchdown. Now, the coverage, and this is always something I feel like with the Bears defense and all the way going back to Lovey, they, there is a lot of opportunity in those middle of the field underneath routes and that was really what seemed like it was open today uh when, when they attacked the sidelines when they went short when they went deep not a lot was there besides that one touchdown that, that went to Khalif Raymond I think that was more of a miscommunication but just the way that it's schemed up there does just seem to be big chunks open in the middle um and it's going to be interesting to see as we go forward how that goes because again because Jared Goff is not someone you're terrified of as a quarterback and if he's able to do that you know how are some of these other quarterbacks coming up going to look you know I know Derek Carr gets a lot of flack but he's I would say better than Jared Goff, in my humble opinion. You got Aaron Rodgers on the schedule. You have a Kyler Murray down the road. You know all these other quarterbacks. So the Bears have to be concerned about that middle of the field. Yeah, that's a really good point there as well, Mason. Nick, how about you? Anything else you wanted to highlight about what this defense either did good uh, or poorly uh, against this Lions offense here today? I think uh, another thing is um, there was one play where the Lions were kind of driving down the field like they were doing a little bit this game and. They put Quintus Cephas, and they, they kind of schemed up where the, the running back was on the outside, so Roquan had him. And then Kendall Vildor was kind of on the numbers, and it's like, hey, they're going to Quintus Cephas. They're, they go and get that first down. So I think teams know that you know, to kind of beat this Bears defense, you're not going to go throw the ball at Jalen Johnson unless you don't want a ball to get you know incomplete. You're going to try to target. You're going to test a Kendall Vildor. You're going to try and test the backup safety, Deion Bush, and know his responsibilities. He gave up a touchdown, it looked like. You're going to try and test Duke Shelley, like Mason said earlier, is playing better. So I think if you can get, you know, one of those guys even playing even more consistent, I think Kendall Vildor has been all right. But if those, like, those three guys or maybe certain positions play, you know, just elevate their play a little bit, then you have three levels of the defense where you're, you're feeling pretty comfortable, but it's really that secondary. It's still, like those guys I mentioned, all secondary players, right, that um, you want to see one of those three guys kind of elevate their play, and usually Sean Gibson will be the opposite safety of A. Jackson, but really Duke Shelley, Kendall Vildor, 
if the Kindle or if Duke Shelley can keep consistently doing what he did today moving forward, then you're really going to make it difficult to attack the middle of the field, to consistently sustain drives and put up points. But I think you're seeing that what we saw against the Bengals, what you saw, and now what you saw in Week One against the Rams, the Bears are closer to, I would think that Bengals defensive. Um, Performance in terms of creating turnovers and making it difficult for offenses to just move the ball and actually put put up points, which is only going to bode well for this team to actually get wins down the road. I hope so. It's been a roller coaster so far this season, right? A bad game, a good game, a bad game, and now another good one. So we'll see if we can stack a couple mm-hmm. of back-to-back decent performances by this defense. You mentioned the improved Duke Shelley. I saw that as well. He seemed to be you know, where he needed to be in his coverage. I saw some open field tackles that really mm-hmm. impressed me. And for a guy that, you know, was fighting for his life in training camp and preseason, ended up getting benched in favor of Marquis Christian this season as well, and I know they're still working it out. He has an opportunity to seize this one here, and let's see if he can continue that play. And, Nick, I know you're looking for improved play. You know, just keep getting better from the back end of this defense. You know what helps them? Hmm. A pass rush. And the Bears have displayed that they can not just get after quarterbacks – uh, but they can also take them down very well. Uh, the Bears had four sacks here today. Uh, I know entering the game, they're like tied for third, I think, yep. in the NFL uh, for sacks. And the four here today was the most that the Lions have given up uh, all season in the game. They gave up three. I believe that was, if I was check this here, three in week one and only three combined the next two weeks. And they gave up four here today from this Bears defense. So just a, a testament to that pass rush. It wasn't just Khalil Mack. It wasn't just Robert Quinn. We saw guys like... Uh, Travis Gibson mm-hmm. get involved too, uh, which was Roquan. Yeah, Roquan got in there off of a blitz. So to me, you know, it's not just going to be about those top two money makers playing edge. We're able to get some of these other guys involved. I wish a Jeremiah Tachu would be able to step up. Be nice. However, if Travis Gibson wants to become that first guy off the bench and make some of these big plays, those splash plays, right? He had the sack. Uh, then he also had that strip, that fumble, as well on Jared Goff that bounced right back to Goff, and he was able to keep running with it. But still, two big plays by Gibson, who was a big preseason standout. Didn't get a lot of playing time here today uh, throughout this week, but here today he was able to turn that around. So Gibson got his first career set. He got himself a fumble. Uh, I think the sky is looking bright for his future here this season. Today just may be the beginning of that. Anything else you guys want to highlight on defense so far? Just to add to Travis Gibson, he also had a really good run stop. It was TJ Hawkinson blocking him, a really good blocking tight end. Literally bench-pressed TJ Hawkinson off of him, moved him out of the way, was able to get a tackle on the running back for a two-yard gain. So you're seeing all facets of really Travis Gibson's game coming to play here against the Lions. It's a good team to try to test things out and to have a good performance on, but Travis Gibson really showing what he's capable of and maybe even capable of doing more if given the right opportunities. How about you, Mason? The NFL really is a week-to-week league. You know, you, uh, the first half of that Browns game, the, I thought that the Bears defense looked pretty good, and that was more about them wearing down because the offense wouldn't let them get a break. Uh, versus on during this week, it was like, why the heck is Williams averaging after the first quarter 4.2 yards per carry? Why is DeAndre Swift averaging 4.0 yards per carry and wondering what's going on here? You never know what's going to happen in the NFL. You don't, and unlike last week, the Bears' offense helped this defense because they were doing a real poor job at stopping the run. Mm-hmm. 
And what happened? The Bears were able to keep extending their lead, which forced the Lions to get a little bit more one-dimensional that you know they wanted to be entering this game. So with the Bears' offense helping the Bears' defense not have to consistently stop the run because they're putting the ball more in Goff's hands to try to play a little catch-up. So it's kind of a complete 180 in terms of, hey, the Bears' offense can, A, take advantage when the defense helps them and gives them a turnover or gives them good starting field position or at least an extra possession, and, B, the offense can do their part, which makes the life of the defense a little bit easier. And look at that. We have a victory to talk about here today. Don't you love complimentary football it's a beautiful thing <laughs> i was thing. waiting for it i was waiting for the word there will but yeah. yes absolutely <laughs> i think i said it at the top but it does have to all kind of come back together uh, i don't have anything else here to talk about on defense uh, i'll give one more preg- uh, pregnant pause in case you guys wanted to chop in with anything that may come to mind nope at all <laughs> all right let's jump into the fourth quarter here uh, and let's do a quick hit on special teams i know santos hit his lone field goal attempt keeping his streak alive uh, I know there's that one. I don't know if you guys want to talk about the one hit that we had in punt coverage that looked pretty clean uh, to me as well. Oh, yeah. I don't oh, – that – okay, so what? what is the official rule? Because if you're interfering with a person's ability to make the catch, but the person has made the catch, how are you interfering with their ability to make the catch? You're just awesome at your job. Yeah, I mean, it looked like it's a bang-bang play live. I get that. But he didn't hit him early. No. I feel like the rule is like a yard – buffer, which I feel like he also had. Uh, so I feel like he just got in trouble because he made a big hit. And in the NFL, they're trying to limit those you know, big hits per se. Uh, but yeah, that one was confusing. Uh, but if I want to look at like a positive that I can talk about a player specifically here on special teams, it's Caleb Johnson, who popped a couple of times in those kickoff coverages, making a few different tackles in that element too. And for a guy that was an undrafted free agent, the Bears keeping that extra inside linebacker for that special team's ability, I thought he proved a little bit here today that he can be a vital part of the third phase. One of those core special teamers that they can continue to build around here uh, in Chicago. But he was a standout for me. Uh, is there anything else on the third phase that you guys wanted to hit on? The one other thing I would be interested in seeing, and, and I'm maybe not even concerned, is right. So Khalil Herbert didn't have a lot of chances to do returns. He had that one that was about 32 yards, I believe it was. If I had to put my money on it, if Montgomery misses substantial time, I see Herbert more as a replacement for Montgomery just because of how he plays compared to even a Williams. Because Williams really is, I feel, more of a third down back. So if that happens, does Herbert still do as much of the kick return duties if he's getting that heavier load on offense, especially if he is more of the prototypical first and second down back? That's, if, a, that's a really good question, and we'll see. How, I see Dion Bush, even though he's starting on defense, he's on a kickoff coverage team, and then as soon as he makes a play, he loops around and stays yeah. in the huddle. Yep. I would feel like they would not give up Herbert's kick return duties just because he's been so good at it. I, I get why you're posing that as a potentiality for the Bears here. Um, but I personally wouldn't see them doing that just yet. Nick, how about you? Anything on special teams that you wanted to mention here today? Nope. Well, we can move right on to the final. Cool, which means you need to call an audible. Anything you want to change? Hmm. Uh, David Montgomery's injury. No, I think what the Bears did offensively is like what we're looking towards them doing moving forward in terms of, uh, I would just say, improving as an offense. So I think really... I mean, other than just how, I mean, look, you can't change injuries, right? And we had somebody at the door there. But uh, I'm blanking on what I would call as an audible here. 
It's a good game. That like, I was also struggling a bit. In you terms know what? Of, actually, look in, in the second half, the, the Bears scored ten points. Right? I think Mason and I we were kind of talking about it. Like, it's, despite them feeling like they had this game won, it was still just a, a ten point game. Right? Um, I think the Bears, and not that they really needed to in this game, but it's like when you have you have the the opposing team not able to score and, and not capitalize on red zone opportunities. You just want to see the Bears like put up those points. You know, continue to put up those points. And I know they had, what, 47 total yards last Sunday, and this is a huge improvement. But when you have the opportunity to put a team away, we've seen what the Lions have been kind of capable of doing, sticking around just long enough. So I guess the audible is, like, if there are more opportunities to really put up those points. And I think for the most part in the second half, Detroit did better things defensively to limit that. But if there are those opportunities, you take them because a team like that that sticks around gets confidence and then, you know, it's a one-score game and they lose on a 6-6 yard field goal like they did the Ravens. So uh, that, that would be the one thing that I can think of on the spot. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I was going through the play-by-play. I was going through all my notes and there wasn't really anything that I would change. All right, real quickly. Mason, we're going to just jump right into MVBs. Who would your MVB be and why? Uh, for me, MVB is going to be... Dave Montgomery. I think, you know, the Bears literally rode him to the victory as long as they could. Uh, that partially was a little bit of their issue here. A lot of carries. I would hope that even when he does come back, hopefully sooner rather than later, that we can find that Damian Williams, that Khalil Herbert can maybe take some of that load off of him. How about you, Nick? I'll go with Alec Ogletree. I talked to him on him all game. He was literally everywhere. Um, again, led the team in tackles, had that big pass deflection in the back uh, of the end zone, but I'll go with Alec Ogletree. I'm going with David Montgomery as well. Two touchdowns. I think he had about over 100 yards on the game here today. And I know that uh, we need to figure out what his health looks like moving forward. But he was a big reason why the Bears were able to move that ball down the field in the most consistent part of this offense. Uh, But, guys, usually we do a two-minute warning here. But let's make it super brief because we were told by uh, personnel working Soldier Field that security is going to come get us and kick us out of this box here (laughs) any minute now. And I don't want to uh, not – give a two-minute warning. So how about a, we'll call it a two-second warning. Nick? Uh, The Bears made improvements in this game against Detroit. They have a good opponent in the Raiders. Let's see if those offensive improvements are real or just because they played Detroit. So that'll be the best, the next test moving forward. Yeah, I'm looking to see next week what Bill Lazor can do in his second week, getting that groove under him a little bit, you know, taking what he saw here today, moving forward with the positives. I don't know if there's anything that I would scrap here per se at this juncture, um, but seeing what he can do to continue moving forward. And as we talked about on the defensive discussion, uh, let's see if they can continue that aggressive mentality, continue on with those turnovers, because those will be keys if the Bears want to continue winning football games here down the stretch. And Mason, how about you? Justin Fields got some of his swagger back, but unfortunately at the end of the day, Lions to the Lions. Let's see if this can carry over to the Raiders. Perfect. I want to thank everyone here who watched live, everyone here who's listening to the podcast. Uh, No matter where you are around the world, just know we do appreciate you. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate, review our show over on Apple Podcasts. That does help us reach more Bears fans like you, like us, as well as when we talk to some new potential sponsors. Up next, we'll be taking a look at Week 5 already, which, guys, I can't believe we're already at. Uh, week five and the Las Vegas Raiders will be you know, meeting our opponent hopefully here within a couple of days if that works out. Uh, if not, we'll do our game preview here later on in the week. So just 
keep a lookout here for our next content as we go through. But again, the Bears win 24-14, improved to 2-2 two two on the season. And I'm going to call that a wrap before we get kicked out of this box. <laughs> so until next time, Bear Down, Chicago. See ya. Bear down.